Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Coming and Going, a podcast designed to be a biblical guide to your parenting journey. My name is Joe Crabb, and I'm one of the family pastors at Woodside Bible, and am so excited and grateful to have you joining us for today's episode. Now, the name of our podcast, Coming and Going, is pulled directly from Scripture, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Let me read it for you here now. It reads this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God has clearly instructed to us to share and show the truth of his word and who he is to our children as we are coming and going. This means that we do find both organized ways uh, and organic ways to be able to share the truth of Scripture with our children in hopes that they would continue to grow as young men and young women after God's own heart. So again, welcome to Coming and Going, a biblical guide to your parenting journey. And we are excited to be on the fourth episode of the podcast. Look at me, mom. I made it. Four episodes of a podcast here. But we hope that through the prior three episodes that you have been encouraged, edified, and sharpened as you continue through your parenting journey. And today's episode is going to be all about the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices of baptism and communion. Now, let me share with you quickly a little bit about how the podcast is made. The overall approach of the podcast is that we essentially have these three, these different buckets for our various episodes to drop into. You know, our first two episodes, we talked about parenting principles, parenting all to the glory of God, parenting in a vulnerable and transparent way. We also have a bucket in which we're looking to address heavier topics, uh, like the episode we just recently discussed, body image and body dysmorphia, uh, with counselor Leah ATA. And of course, we'll be talking here soon enough uh, about human sexuality, what God's Word says, and how to navigate those conversations with your children at every stage of life that points them back to the truth of God's Word. And of course, another bucket which our episode falls today within, is spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices. Uh, and baptism and communion uh, are those two big spiritual sacraments that are really milestones in the life of a believer, both with baptism and the, the, the one time in which we are baptized, uh, and of course, communion, a regular practice that we have within the church uh, that is a milestone for us as followers of Jesus Christ to remember and reflect upon uh, the, the sacrifice that Christ has for us. And so uh, for those of you who are listening uh, with this episode, uh, who maybe already have children who partake within communion and, uh, and have been baptized, you know, I hope that you find today's episode still encouraging, especially as later on we'll talk about how to approach the conversation when your child maybe expresses a desire to be rebaptized. What do you do when that might pop up later on in life? So um, baptism and communion, these are, uh, when I think about these milestones and really when to introduce them in the life of, uh, of a, your child and when they should begin practicing or when they should be baptized, it makes me think of, you know, when our my daughter Virginia, uh, when we first 
you know, she's first born. We're going to the doctors once a month for those monthly check-ins. And every month that we were going, they were handing us a two-page document that detailed, like, point by point, what she should be eating, what we should be listening, what we should be seeing in her, um, everything from her physical health to mental health, uh, to, to how much time she should or shouldn't be on screen, to all these sorts of things. Every month we were getting this new document of different milestones, where she should be at, what we should be concerned with, what we shouldn't be concerned with. The funny thing is, is, is that as more time has passed, we get less and less information about what milestones she should be at. In the past, they were telling us, hey, make sure you're scheduling this monthly appointment. If we didn't show up for a monthly appointment or forgot to schedule it, they're calling us. Now, we get barely anything, and if I don't make the appointment, it doesn't happen. And a lot of times it can feel that exact same way with the, you know, I'll tell you what was missing on those sheets. There was never any spiritual guidelines as to what uh, our uh, Virginia should be hitting and that we should be introducing prayer in her life at this age, that we should be talking with her about communion or about Jesus's sacrifice at, that, at this age. And so even as she got older, the doctor was giving us less information. At times it can kind of feel like, hey, where are we at when it comes to these very big, important milestones and rhythms with the life of our child, knowing that above all, what the foundation we want them to have is not just a healthy, uh, to be healthy physically or mentally and emotionally, but also have a healthy, firm foundation of who God has made them to be, as being those who've been made in His image. And so today, baptism and communion are, are kind of the Two on that sheet that we'll be looking at um, as these are two sacraments, a Christian rite slash act uh, that is recognized as being very important and significant. Baptism and communion have clearly been given to us through Scripture, and they serve as those rites in which we regularly practice within the Church. And so uh, communion, why do we practice communion? Well, communion is very, very clear as to why we practice it, both in uh, Jesus establishing it uh, in Matthew chapter 26, Paul reiterating it in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. But in Matthew 26, Jesus, on the night he is to be betrayed, uh, shares in the Last Supper with his disciples, and he says this, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is, is calling back even to what we read about in the Old Testament with the Exodus, in which God, on the last night of the, before he's, his people are to be freed from Egyptian slavery and oppression, from the reign of Pharaoh, uh, commands them to take the, the blood of a spotless lamb and to pour it uh, over their doorposts, that as the wrath of God goes forth, that because of the blood of the lamb, the wrath of God will pass over. And just for us as followers of Jesus Christ, who when we come to know Jesus as our Savior, that because uh, we will find ourselves covered by the blood of the Lamb, the wrath of God has passed over. And so when we partake in communion, we remember and celebrate 
Jesus's sacrifice, that because his body was broken and his blood was spilled, this blood has caused a new covenant, a new promise for us that the wrath of God will pass over us. That as Jesus says in Matthew 28, we will have the forgiveness of our sins. And so Paul reiterates this, that when we get together and we take part of communion, that we are uh, remembering Jesus' sacrifice and proclaiming his death uh, and the freedom that we have because of the blood that was spilled. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 and 27. For I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this, eat this, in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the blood and the blood of the Lord. So we see that communion is such a very important sacrament. And for many of you as parents listening to this, you know that it is. Now, how do we bridge that gap of this important practice and the principles, the truth that are attached to us, and teach it to our kids as we're coming and going. So we need to identify what the scriptures say and what are the potential obstacles that maybe we feel intrinsically or we could see uh, being developmentally present in the life of our kid. How do we lead them to gain an understanding, especially for kids who are younger uh, and they're more concrete thinker, thinkers, about all of the symbolism that is seen through communion. Well, one, we know uh, that scripture is clear that communion is for the believer, that the believer partakes in communion because we are remembering uh, you know, Jesus' sacrifice, his body being broken, his blood being spilt, uh, and, and we proclaim that as followers of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we want to see our, our children, we've come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to partake uh, in, the, the, in communion because they are partaking and proclaiming that which they have come to know through their salvation in Jesus Christ, that because of the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus, uh, that they have the forgiveness of their sins, that they are followers of Jesus Christ. And so that is clear. Two, we see that we want to, to take it in a way that's not uh, uh, in an unworthy manner. Paul says that we are to examine our hearts, that we should confess sins, that if we have a grievance against a brother, that we should go to them and reconcile, that we should not take it in an unworthy manner. So we should remind our kids of the truth that when we partake in communion, often as we see when we gather together for worship and we're taking communion, that there is a time which we are invited into reflecting, to coming before the Lord, to confess our sins, as 1 John 1, 9 says, that we confess our sins, and as we do so, we know that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that cleansing that we know that we've received through the blood of uh, uh, of the Lamb. And it's also important to say, what's one of the tensions that we could see uh, our, our kids having in their development as a concrete thinker into an abstract thinker? And a huge part of that is the blood. And we think about, uh, it, you know, the amount of times that we talk about the importance of the blood, how we celebrate that blood has been spilt. I've often thought about this when we're worshiping, especially worshiping with students and knowing that there are some in the room who are unbelievers. 
it can sound a little creepy. Man, these people are all about blood being spilled and being covered in blood, and it's very ritualistic. It's kind of messy. Uh, even when we look at you know Old Testament and the sacrifices that were taking place, Worship would be a very bloody place, and I'm glad that, you know, the extent in which we might experience that is just through, you know, various types of grape juice, but when we think about it, we don't generally maybe associate blood being spilled. If your kid has even the slightest cut on their hand, man, many times they want you to call 911 because there's just a little blood. At the same time, on a Sunday morning, we're like, Man, blood is being spilled. Hoorah, let's go. Let's celebrate. This is awesome. And it is awesome. And for us as a parent, we may understand and we have that, that knowledge, yet we don't want our knowledge to be a curse that stops our child from understanding the importance of why we do celebrate blood being spilled. Why Jesus said, man, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, what the, the beauty and the power of what that means, that what that symbolizes, and what we want them to embrace. And it's it's a tough thing. We've talked about this in other episodes. It can be a tough thing because we're like, well, developmentally, I don't want to trip them up. But if we're never explaining it to them, then we're allowing uh, them in their, their minds as a five-year-old or even as a 15-year-old to kind of bridge the gap of understanding as opposed to us as the, the main spiritual guides on their biblical journey and their spiritual journey, sharing with them the truth of God's Word, the beauty of it, unpacking it, answering the, the 90th question of, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? And even realizing that they might not get it now, but it will help them then down the line as they're continuing to grow and mature as a believer of saying, hey, yes, this is why it's so important. This is why we celebrate blood being spilled. And as they look to share their faith with others, and they invite a friend to come to a, a, a night of worship or to come to a retreat or on a Sunday morning, and they're hearing songs about blood being spilled and us celebrating. Well, because of the foundation that you've put in the life of your child, out of a desire to see them embrace the, the biblical sacrament of communion, to remember and reflect upon the goodness that they've experienced through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ— you're also setting them up to be able to answer questions for others, to be able to point back to others the beauty and the hope that's found in communion and in the shedding of Jesus's blood. And so I would encourage you to, uh, to, to ask your kid that question. When you know that communion is happening in church, to, to make that intentional Sunday in which you have your child present in the worship service, because if they're not present with you, they might not see that practice, and therefore you're not given the opportunity to open the door to that conversation occurring. So attending that main worship service with them, especially on days in which you know that communion will be observed, so that way you're inviting an opportunity for that conversation, taking the time to patiently ask some questions and even just prompt it and saying, hey, you know, this is why it's so important that we reflect on the body that was broken and the blood that was spilled. The physical representation that's there because of Jesus' physical sacrifice and the symbolism that's there as what it represents for us in that blood of the lamb, because the blood of the lamb has been spilt and now the God's wrath passes over us. 
So I uh, encourage you to make the most of those opportunities to have those conversations as you proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection with your children, and look to see them continue to grow in their understanding of the salvation they've come to know in Christ. Now, we also know that this is true with baptism, that in baptism, uh, it's a symbol in which we proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 4 says, We are buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. We also know through the Great Commission that we've been called to go therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and going forth and teaching others all that we have been taught through God's Word, through the teaching of Jesus, through the Bible. And so uh, that there is a clear command for us as followers of Jesus Christ, as we see all throughout the New Testament, to be baptized. Now, uh, this baptism is a spiritual milestone. We believe that uh, baptism happens through uh, a believer's willingness to be baptized, that it's an outward commitment, uh, outward expression of an inward commitment, that baptism itself does not save us, but it's a representation of us being saved. Uh, as you're having those conversations with, with your children, one of the ways that we've often expressed uh, that outward expression of an inward commitment uh, is through something like your wedding ring, right? If you're, my wedding ring just shows that I am committed to, it's an outward expression of the inward commitment that I've made uh, to love and care for my wife, that I am dedicated to her. If I take it off, I am no less married to my wife, Robin. If I give it to somebody else, they are not married to my wife, Robin. It is just the outward expression of an inward commitment. Uh, likewise, you know, for your kid, perhaps uh, they'll understand it better through a jersey that they wear. If they are a part of a team or they're supporting a team, an outward expression of their commitment to that team is the jersey that they wear. If they take that jersey off, they're still a part of, you know, the, the Thunder Foxes, you know, the best basketball team Upward has ever seen. And if they, uh, they, they, they put it on or they give it to someone else, they give it to you. That doesn't mean that they're, you're now magically a part of that team. You're supporting and cheering them on as part of that team. But it's that outward expression of an inward commitment. That's what our baptisms is. It's an outward expression of an inward commitment as we're faithfully following after Jesus's clear command, the clear command of scripture, that we are to be baptized. It's a spiritual milestone. Uh, as we talked about in the episode with Jim on vulnerable and transparent parenting, is that uh, baptism is a spiritual milestone, just like we see those milestones that God has set forth for his people in which after God has done a mighty and miraculous work, he tells them to build an altar or to stack stones on top of each other. Why? So that in the generations to come, as other people see that, as other people observe that, it's a testimony to God's faithfulness. Baptism, that day that your child decides to get baptized, is that milestone moment in which when others see it, whether they're in the room uh, or whether uh, they see photos or, or your child tells of it you know, uh, at school on that Monday or, or down the line to other people, it is a milestone marker in which they can look back and say, man, look at how God was faithful to bring me to this moment and look how God has continued to be faithful to me to this moment that I'm at currently. So it's those spiritual milestones that we want our child to be a part of. Now, some of the tension that we might experience, again, just like when it comes to communion, well, let's look at what God's Word says. God's Word says that we are to be baptized. 
It doesn't give us an, an age limit. Uh, there is conversation to say like, hey, you want your child to be able to express outwardly uh, why that they desire to get baptized, why it's their decision. And obviously we don't want them to feel coerced or pressured by us as a parent that they must perform in such a way. And that's why we want them to be baptized. We also don't do it for them to satisfy some sort of requirement so they can serve. We know that it's a, um, it's, it's a thing in which we want them to make that, that commitment, just like they would make when they uh, have made that decision to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We want them to be following God's leading as they're being led and prompted by the Holy Spirit uh, to, to faithfully obey Jesus by being baptized. And so we want it to be their decision. And so there's questions that you ask to see, hey, do they have the clear understanding of, of salvation? Uh, do they have a clear understanding of why we get baptized? Is this their decision? And you as a parent have to discern and have that discretion of, is this thing that they are vocalizing? And if they vocalize it and, and as you have that discernment and saying and can affirm, yeah, that we uh, are good with them as a seven-year-old, as an eight-year-old, as a nine-year-old, or down the line being baptism based off what they expressed. Now, earlier I said, what do you do with the, the, the tension when your child wants to be rebaptized? Because what happens then is that a, a child, when they're a teenager or early 20s, will look back and say, man, I really didn't know uh, then what I know now about my relationship with Jesus. Amen. I hope so. I hope that when your child is 16, that they love Jesus so much more now than when they were six, that when they were to look at it, like, man, there's no way I could say I really love Jesus then. Yes, they do. You know they do. You, you, through the discretion and the conversations that you have, if you've been led by the Holy Spirit, you can say with sure confidence as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, they express that childlike faith, that love for, for Jesus. And as such, they were baptized. They were baptized as a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old. I hope that as a 25-year-old, they love Jesus all the more. That as they look back, just as Jesus tells us in Scripture, that, man, you should hate your mother and father. Jesus isn't contradicting his teaching. He just said the love that you have for God should be so intense that in light of the love that you have for other people, man, there's such a dichotomy there because of the growth that you've had and the love that you have for the Lord. Man, I hope that I love my wife so much more now than I did 10 years ago when we got married that in contrast, you're like, man, did you even really love your wife? Not that I didn't love my wife on the day I committed to her through, through that covenant of marriage, but in contrast, I just love her so much more that, yeah, I want to get my vows renewed because I now know what love means uh, all the deeper. And I hope then 20 years past that, it means the same thing. When our child has a desire to be rebaptized, it's an opportunity for us to look back with them and say, hey, you don't need to be rebaptized. You loved Jesus then. And let me show you the fruit of how I knew that you loved Jesus then. And let me show you how I've seen God work in your life uh, to, to this point where you have deepened that love for Jesus. And then it's discerning, what do we now do with that deeper love that they have for Jesus? And hopefully that would be that compelling catalyst for them to say, man, how am I discipling others? How am I sharing the hope of the gospel with others? How am I looking to see the gospel further through the power of the Holy Spirit as I'm faithfully pursuing Jesus? Because I want more and more for that outward expression of the inward commitment I have to be made known. 
they have already made it known through baptism, and God is giving them opportunity to make it known in other areas, we get to affirm and remind them of that milestone moment, those stones stacked on top of each other through their baptism, and remind them of how we've seen God's faithfulness through the ebbs and flows of their relationship with God through that time to the time that they're at now now that they have that deep desire to want to outwardly express their faith all the more, to call them to a, a, a deeper way still. Where is God leading them? So affirm that awesome sentiment. Show them or remind them of God's faithfulness, uh, but uh, and find them, help them discern ways to, to express that all the more as they are deepening their love for God, as we look to deepen our love for one another uh, and ultimately for Him. So that's what I encourage you with. And of course, you know, lean on the individual's both as you're trying to discern the, the proper age in which your, your child is ready to be baptized, uh, to the, the people within the church, from pastors to other brothers and sisters in Christ, other parents uh, who love the Lord, help uh, uh, invite them in to help discern uh, those conversations that you're trying to have with your student, uh, student or child. Is I know that you have that deep love and desire uh, for them to know Christ as their Savior and faithfully, faithfully follow Him by being baptized. That's how I feel. My daughter is five, and she's not uh, yet expressed a desire or uh, to know Jesus as her, her Savior, and I find myself in that tension of, like, I want her, I'm praying that this is the age in which her heart would be soft towards the gospel, and that she'd come to know Jesus as her Savior. Savior. Uh, but that that has to be prompted and led by the Holy Spirit, and I'm there to, to guide and lead and have those conversations and prompt, but not to push, but again, not to push, but to prompt, to see where she's at and see as the Holy Spirit's working in her life. And so um, what helps balance out that, that tension, the very real desire that we have to see that fruit in the life of our kids is continue to prayerfully come before the Lord and continue to have those conversations with others um, so that we're discerning, um, being found faithful, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their life as they make those milestone decisions. Now, let me give you a little practical thing. As your child um, decides to be baptized and you're, you're pursuing baptism uh, and, and they're scheduled uh, to have uh, that, that, that baptism date, can I just share with you two things to encourage your child to do? The first is this. Please have them write out their testimony and share it publicly with others. This is that public proclamation most people aren't public speakers. I understand that those who preach and those who have podcasts are a special breed, and the fact that I have two says something about me uh, that we'll unpack maybe in therapy or a different episode. But this is a uh, an awesome opportunity for your child to proclaim publicly their relationship with Jesus. And I think we've all been in the room before when we hear somebody's testimony, regardless of age, regardless of how eloquent it is or not, that it's, it's encouraging. It spurs other brothers and sisters on to love and good works. And your child, as a follower of Jesus Christ, has a responsibility to spur others on to love and good works, as commanded by Scripture. Uh, there is not an age given for them to, um, you know, they don't have to encourage others or spur others on or bear with others or love others until they're 17. No. As followers of Jesus Christ, they have an opportunity to do so at the age that they've come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we as parents uh, help them discern when that will be and what it looks like in the various stages of life that they have. And so I'd encourage you to have them write out their testimony, whether they read it or you read it or, or the pastor, whoever's baptizing them, they read it. It's an awesome opportunity for them to look back and say, yeah, 
And this is me expressing my love for the Lord as such. The second thing is, is I would encourage him to invite people. Uh, invite family, invite friends, especially those that you know aren't brothers and sisters in Christ, have yet to know Christ as their Savior. Um, oftentimes people might refuse to come to church outright uh, because for, for various reasons, but they will come because they want to support somebody that they love. Um, so they, they might not come uh, on uh, a regular Sunday in which you invite them, but they'll come on the Sunday that uh, their granddaughter or their neighbor or their teammate or their niece or nephew is being baptized uh, because they want to support them. So I encourage you to have them write out their testimony uh, and have them invite people. Uh, and so uh, I hope that this has been a, an encouraging conversation as you look to navigate uh, having those conversations and leading your kids uh, through participating in those sacraments of communion and baptism, and even reminding them as they're coming and going of those milestone moments that they've had with, with Christ and that their love for the Lord is deepening if they've already been baptized and maybe are expressing a desire to want to be rebaptized. that really what they're expressing is a desire to have a, uh, uh, that outward expression of that deep inward commitment they have for Christ. And so... Um, um, I, I, as always, we hope that this has been encouraging for you. Uh, if there's any way that we can be of support, encouragement to you, if you have any questions about these topics or you'd like to see us address other topics, uh, please reach out. Uh, and of course, please share this with others uh, as you look to be an encouragement to them. But just a reminder that we love you, we're here for you, and we're praying for you as you are coming and going. 